Welcome back to Presidents in Politics. I am one of your hosts, Professor McGee, joined with my co-host, former Congressman Ross. Good morning. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant. This is going to be a fun one today. You know, we got through the rough ones, and we're in some fun but, ones now. You know, the thing about Ulysses S. Grant is it follows the pattern, with the exception of very few presidents mm -hmm. that we've discussed, of just average individuals who have faced terrible situations, mm -hmm. who just persevere, and suddenly find themselves as president of the United States. Yes. And Ulysses S. Grant exemplifies that so well mm -hmm. when you look at him. And, you know, born, you know, under the name Hiram Ulysses Grant, <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting how his name changed. Mm -hmm. You know, he... he um, he was his father wanted him to go to West Point. He wasn't a big fan of that. Wanted to be a farmer. Yeah, his whole wanted life. to be a farmer. Always said Just that he was a farmer, farmer forced to be a soldier. Yep. Came up from meager means. Mm -hmm. uh, his father gets the congressman to appoint him to West Point and he goes, shows up and doesn't see a, a Hiram Grant. He sees a US Grant and then he starts thinking, you know, and he was a horseman. If they put a H master horseman. Yes. If they pay put H U G on my saddle, they'll make fun of me. <laughs> hug, hug. So he, he stuck with the US. Uh, Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant, that they they mis I guess misplaced it there uh -huh. on his on his um, that is entrance, and for thereafter became known as Ulysses S. Grant with he, no middle name. Yes, and he almost missed West Point because of his height. Yes. So there's a five foot requirement. And I don't know if this, I don't know if this is still the thing, but yeah. there's a five foot. He was five one. He had yeah. he had one inch over the minimum height requirement to go. Um, while he's there, he'll have, I think it's a six or seven inch growth spurt. So he ends up being yes. like five guess, seven, yeah. something like yeah. that, which was amazing. Which and is he, amazing. And, and you know when he finishes twenty nine or twenty first out of thirty nine in his class. So he's not a stellar you know military strategist. He doesn't really care for it. No, but, he says in his autobiography that he feared basically daily that he would flunk out. That he really thought he was going to flunk out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is what's going through his mind, and yet he will be one of the greatest generals in U.S. history. Amazing, too, because he uh, he he gets a, he he stays in the army. He goes out to the Oregon Territory mm -hmm. after he gets married to Julia Dent, mm -hmm. and they have two kids. And he goes out there and just can't stand it. Then they move him down into uh, California, which Correct. is worse. And he really can't stand it. They say that's where he started his drinking, mm -hmm. and then he finally resigns and comes back. That's right. And, and starts um, selling hats, I believe it was. Yeah. I don't know if you hear the story about how his wife, um, how he proposes to her, because he writes in his autobiography. Uh, when they're dating, he's going on a buggy ride with her, and a bridge washed out, and they're going through this, like, washed-out ravine, and she was actually really afraid of water. So she looked over at him. They're just dating, and she grabbed his arm, and she said, I'm going to cling to you no matter what. And Grant was very calm. He passes through the water, and he looks over, and he said, how would you like to cling to me for life? Wow. And that's his proposal. I love it. Now that, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, a, that's pretty good. To, that's pretty smooth. That's very smooth. That's pretty smooth. smooth. That's pretty I good timing. That, yeah. Right? It, it worked out pretty well. Yes. And um, as you said, they get married, they have two kids, and they, for all intents and purposes, they have a pretty happy marriage. Yes. Um, what's interesting about Grant is, and especially like growing up in the South, right? You always hear about, you know, Sherman and the butcher who Grant is. And everyone always, you know, looks at Grant as being some kind of harsh butcher. He's actually a gentle soul. In a yes. lot of ways, his father was a tanner, mm -hmm. and he cannot stand the sight of blood and watching the the hides hanging up. Like that yeah. was, he would do anything else but that. Which he was a master horseman, so he would volunteer for the hard work of like splitting wood, mucking stalls, taking care of horses. Wow. And one of the reasons why is because he didn't want to work around the blood so much so that when he was the president, it was said that he would send any steak back that had even a little bit of red in it because he just he distasted. I did not know that the, the sight of blood, and yet he's one of the greatest generals and a very aggressive general. 
too. Very aggressive you know? general. And what's amazing to me is that here's a guy who goes into business, leaves the army, goes yes. into business, fails, tries farming, <laughs> fails, goes into real estate, fails, you know, re resorts to going back to Galena, mm -hmm. uh, Illinois, to work for his father in the tannery. And that's when the Civil War breaks out. Yes. And he is asked to put together volunteers. Yes. To fight. After the and before he puts his volunteers together, he tries to reapply for his original commission, and he never hears back. That's how unimpressive he was as a soldier. Yeah. So, like you said, almost everything he does in life, at first, he's a failure. And again, we, we've emphasized this in this podcast so much. But ninety percent, ninety-nine percent of being successful in life is just simply showing up and Amen. not quitting. I, you and I had this conversation with a student actually, right? Yeah. Not that long ago, we were talking to one of our students who did outstanding he was nominated for outstanding major and he he asked us why and we said you you knew how to show up exactly like half of life is just showing up just being there on time up. working hard and if you do that you're you're, you're going to be successful you will you will and and history has proven that they proved it with with uh ulysses s grant it was interesting he fought in the mexican-american war and thought it was a, an atrocious despised it. Despised, despised it he's never thought that we should ever been in it but yes. he said he didn't have the moral courage i remember this to he was too that, young yeah he was too young yes but he learned from uh zachary taylor mm -hmm. and uh winfield scott yes. generals, both generals that he served under and then when he got done he came back and then was of course uh, drafted, if you will, to, mm -hmm. to start the volunteers in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't that impressive. He didn't really have much battle experience. No. In fact, I think he was a quartermaster during the Mexican-American mm -hmm. War. So he was good at locking guns up. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and feeding the troops. In that time period, yeah. in that time period, he was good at locking guns up. And then and then uh, they send him into uh, battle, I guess, in Tennessee, mm -hmm. and, and wins a small skirmish, and then goes to Vicksburg yes. and takes the Confederate stronghold, and that gets everybody's attention. Yes. And then, of course, legendary for the Battle of Shiloh. Yes. That's where it turns is the Battle of Shiloh for him. And and for those who may not have a, a broad Civil War background, um, we look back at history, and in the North was, was more money, more population, more industry, more everything. It would seem like it was a no-brainer they were going to win, but the first few skirmishes, the South actually began yep. taking in huge numbers. The South was more aggressive. It had better leadership. Like, the South is, is just, like, crawling the map, and the North actually begins to question if they can win. Lincoln, who's very autocratic in his leadership, is firing generals left and right. True. I mean, like, he's going through them, and finally he'll find Grant, and Grant has the aggression and the tactics to match Lee. And for the first time, now, now you got a war. Yes, and the one now thing, his strategy was attack, attack, attack. That's right. Attack. Yeah. I mean, you just and don't never back surrender. Down. In fact, they say that U.S., uh, uh, his name standard stood, stood for unconditional surrender. Yes, yes. You know, because yes. he would just, he was he was merciless. He was in it to win it. Yes. And that was it. You know, I remember when, uh, I remember when I was in martial arts, we used to, used to fight martial arts, and there was, a, there was an instructor who used to make the statement, be careful because there comes a time in every fight where all rules go out the window. And uh, I think about Grant in that. There were times in fighting where all rules went out the window, Yep. right? He, yeah, he even said it. There was a quote I, I just picked out. He said, in every battle, there comes a time when both sides consider themselves beaten. Mm -hmm. Then he who continues the attack wins. I like that. And that's where I think he really sh sh he shone through. And I like that. It was interesting because I, I, he had a deep respect for Robert E. Lee. Yes, they did for each other. It's mutual. Yes, mm -hmm. and 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 I think he he, I, I remember reading somewhere where he said, you know, what really really bothered him is that he had such an able adversary that fought so well and so gallantly, but for a cause that's so right. misplaced. That's right. And and you know he 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 was not. He he was against slavery. Yes, he, he married was. into a slavery family. He did not care for it, but he believed in states' rights. Mm -hmm. uh, but he he came at the right time. Yes, he did. 
which was amazing. Because he was a man of principle. Out, yeah, he was a very much a man of principle. But as you pointed out, the North was expected to win. Hands they down. Had, they had the resources. They had the, 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 the manpower, the, the manpower. money, everything. And yet, <laughs> the South gave them, gave them everything they could. Yeah. And under the leadership of Lee, it looked like it, this was a possibility for an unmanned, underfunded, yeah. underarmed military to actually win until Grant comes in. Now, one of the things, I, I've read so much about Grant's tactics, and there's so much written about his tactics. But one of the things that with Grant is he was a master at understanding maps. They would say they could mm. lay a map out in front of him, and he could immediately survey it. And he could tell you what positions could not be defended, what positions were unimportant to defend, and what positions had to be attacked the strongest. And they said this is what made his, this is how his mind worked. Because every per- we've talked this before the show. Every person has their own mental gifts, right? Like right. we all have that. Some people have great processing speed. Some people have great memories. Like he had this great topographical knowledge where he could look at a map and he could very quickly read things. The other thing they said was how calm his mind was. He never got lost in the fog of war. So this is one that I read a lot. And there was one of his generals that he fought with, and he made the statement. He said battle calmed Grant's mind. Like, for Grant wow. had that unique ability that when things were going haywire around him, like, time slowed down, right? And that's a very unique skill. Most people don't have that. That's um, true. And I think some of that, in all honesty, you're either born with or you're not. Yeah. And Grant was born with one of those intangibles, right? And things would slow. So I, I thought about this, and I read through some. And here were some of the things that, that throughout all the biographies of Grant that came through that made his uh, military leadership very uh, impressive. His calmness. Yes. His perspective, his communication, his courage, and his discernment. And I thought of those five things, and I thought that's really the key to good leadership. It is. And he delegates. He delegates well. It delegates, and it comes back to haunt him. In the White House. Yes, in the White House, (laughs) because he was very, he was loyal to those that he thought were loyal to him. That's right. And unfortunately, you know, that comes back to bite him, which we'll talk about. Yes. Um, but, but seeing his ascension is just amazing because after he takes, uh, you know, Lee's surrender at Appomattox, he then becomes a war hero. Yes, he does. Period. And he's promoted to, what is it, the, the general of the army? Which yes, he's only yeah, been, the, only the been twice, right? Yeah, the four-star general. I think yeah, the Washington and himself, well, yeah, yeah. I think, are the only two that's ever happened, right? Yes, in all of years, history. I think, something. Yes. Something of that nature. Um, but then Andrew Johnson realizes that, that he's got to latch on to him because, well, first <laughs> of all, Grant's is just absolutely, he was supposed to be at, at Ford Cedar, and yes. it feels very bad about this whole, very, very, very bad that he wasn't there and felt he could have protected Abraham Lincoln. That's right. And Johnson becomes president. Johnson, of course, as we talked about last week, you know, takes on the Tenure uh, of Office Act and, mm-hmm. and fires Seward or Stanton as mm-hmm. the Secretary of War. Mm-hmm. And then in, in his place, they put Grant. Grant starts to take it, and then Congress says, uh-uh, mm-hmm. we, want, we want Stanton back in there. So Grant says, fine, I'm out of here. And Drops the keys off at the war office. Yes, yes, yes. 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 And, 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 and Johnson gets just very upset. Yes, he does. But it, but it catapults again Grant into a independent you know, thinking, acting, yes, he is. political leader, which then catapults him into the presidency mm-hmm. in, in 1868. And in the Republican Party, which the first election he voted in, he actually voted Democrat, interestingly enough. I didn't enough. know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know if, you, if you've ever read the history of why he didn't actually go to Ford's Theater with uh, Abraham Lincoln that night. Abraham Lincoln wanted him to go, and he was going to go, but um, Grant's wife could not stand Mary Todd, because Mary Todd Lincoln was an odd woman, right? Yeah, yeah. She gets into the cult. She has a lot of yeah. Mental issues. Yeah. Um, some people said that she was probably schizophrenic. So Grant's wife basically tells him, I'm not going to go to the theater and socialize this woman all night. Get us out of it. 
so he gets them out of it because of her not wanting to hang out with Mary Todd, and that's the only reason. Now, here's the legend, because this is, a, this is according to Grant's wife. They were driving out that night anyway around Ford's Theater, but they're going to go see his, I think, daughter. They're going to see like, their grown daughter or someone of that, of that nature. And um, a, 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 a veiled rider runs up and like pulls the window out and stares in the, in the coach. And later, Grant's wife swore that was John Wilkes Booth. Wow. Because John Wilkes Booth originally wanted to assassinate, as you know, yep. the president, vice president, Grant, and the secretary of state. He wanted to decapitate the union. Um, so a lot of people wonder if he lost the nerve to kill Grant because he was more interested in killing Lincoln. We don't know. It's one of those wow. great mysteries of history. I did not know that. Right? That it's one of those just great mysteries of history. But, yeah, it was, it was all basically social drama that kept Grant from being there. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at him, and 12 years before he became president, he was a failed farmer. <laughs> Failed hat salesman. Failed at everything. Yes. And here he was, you know, 12 years after that, he becomes president of the United States. Yes. Now, if that is not a, a, a an example of perseverance, yes. of American success, yes. you know, then, then I don't know what is. And that's what I think needs to be taken from these podcasts Agreed. that we're offering. Agreed. Is that please understand that these people that we speak of as our former presidents are no greater or lesser than you. That's right. They are just more persistent. Uh, yes, they're, they're, it's a question of opportunity and timing is everything. Uh but because of their persistence, they end up prevailing. That's right. Not all of them are good. We know that. <laughs> and I think your analogy between great and, and good is, is, is very appropriate because we've had great presidents in this country come about at yes. a very important time, and Grant is one of them. Yes. Because here it is, Reconstruction. Lincoln has been assassinated. Johnson has been uh, impeached and, 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 and has been thrown out uh, of his party, essentially. Grant comes in and starts to protect the, uh, the southern states, uh, and, and especially starts to protect the African-Americans. That's right. The freed slaves. That's right. And, you know, he, he, he uh, signs into law a, a, a bill against the Ku Klux Klan. That's right. 1871. He yep. He promotes mm -hmm. the 15th Amendment. He's doing all he can in order to facilitate, you know, the, re the true reconstruction of the South. And unfortunately, America, as America goes, lets it go for a while when he sends mm -hmm. federal troops down there to protect the, 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 the former slaves and to protect the new found governments. And then finally, I think the American public says, you know, haven't we sent enough troops? You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and in his second term, it really starts going south. Mm -hmm. I'm for bad expression there. I apologize. But as far <laughs> as the, the, and, and the, you know, the American uh, protection, um, and, and then we go through that period you know, all the way up to the Civil Rights Act of 18, uh, 1964 mm -hmm. that, 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 that really has, you know, shaken our country. But, again, we survived it. That's right. And, and, and a person like Grant came about at the right time. Imagine if it had been somebody else who sought retribution against mm. the South. You know, Grant went out there and, and he, he gave leniency. He gave pardons to the Confederate soldiers. Right. He wanted them, like Lincoln wanted them, to rebuild and come back into the nation. Let them up easy. Yeah, I mean, he did the Greenback Act, uh, and, you know, to, 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 re, to, to um, uh, reinstate the Union currency. Mm -hmm. You know, he was doing everything he could to bring the nation back together. Um, One of the things I think that makes Grant unique is not only was he a great man, but he was honestly a good man. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people that have both. Like, as we look at the presidents, like uh, Andrew Jackson, he was a great man. He was not a good man. No, you're right. And what made Grant really, really unique is he was great. He's this powerful military commander, and he was good. I, he honestly desired to see America be unified. If that was freed slaves, if that was Native Americans, he tries to pass a lot of acts to help the Native Americans. He does, and coincidentally, it's Custer's last stand that That's happens right. during his administration. Which where just everybody thinks, soured public opinion. Oh, yeah. Had oh, it yeah. not been for that, he probably could have— Done a more peaceful yeah, transition with the, with the American Indian. Yeah. yeah, when Custer— 
Custer, I don't, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with this or not, but when Custer is finally killed, which Custer, you know, he had, Custer had some poor military tactics, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know we're kind of getting off, off topic here. Okay, but, you're the historian. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I hang on when you, when you start talking. Let's but, go. But Custer had a, a serious uh, authority problem. He had actually been a general in the Civil War. He was the youngest general he'd ever had. They called him the boy general. Um, mm-hmm. He kept getting demoted because of his problem with authority. At one point during a Civil War battle, he actually left the field to go have supper with his wife because she was in town without telling anyone. Wow. Gets bumped for ranks for that. He's very vain. He had that long blonde hair. Right. And he would take um, cinnamon oil and he would rub it through his hair because he wanted to be shining to smell good. Mm. So he's this odd guy, right? But by the time Little Bighorn rolls around, he's a colonel. So he's been bumped down again. He's no longer a general. But he's reckless, and that's the reason why they keep behind him, because he's really good at what he does. They called it Custard's Luck, because I don't know how many, like, what is it, like, like six horses got shot off underneath him in the Civil War, and he never gets a scratch on him. So he's sent in here. Um, he's told to wait, to hold ground and to wait. He doesn't do that. He marches, and he's way outnumbered. He's got generals on the back, or I guess not generals, because he's only a colonel. I guess it's lieutenants, any officers at the back that are supposed to come in and flank the Native Americans. They know how outnumbered they are, so his, his subordinates abandon him and go get drunk. And then Custard and his men get slaughtered. Now, not only do they get slaughtered, the Native Americans ritualistically raid the bodies. Oh, so wow. oh, they strip wow. the bodies, they cut out his eyes, they put uh, sticks through his eardrums. I won't go into what else they do. And they completely ravage the bodies. So when this gets back to the American people, they start using the term savages. You know, right. they're, 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 they're ripping out eyeballs and piercing eardrums and other things. Um, and because of this, we've got to have full retribution on the Native Americans. And in many ways, Custer's last stand did exactly what he thought it would do, just not the way he wanted it. Like, it did right. defeat the Native Americans, but it was through his very painful death. Yeah, it, <laughs> it became was, an appalling event that, yes. that, that rallied the American people. And unfortunately, Grant had been working, has been very successful the, with the American Indians yeah. until that time. Had it not been for uh, this 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 last stand, had it not been for this, Grant, as you said, probably could have had this handled a lot more peacefully. Mm. Um, but Custer was impetuous in everything he ever did. Wow. And it... It costs a lot of people. You know, as we talk about Grant and the way he would delegate, this is one thing that I think is very important in leadership. Grant delegated a lot to his cabinet. Yes, and, too and much. It got, and it got him in trouble. Yes. You know, it got him into, the, they had the the, the, the the panic of, what was it, 1875. Uh, what was it? Okay. 1875. And, and uh, you know, they, the, these guys were buying up gold and, mm-hmm. and trying to... to, to, to uh, Subvert the markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the whiskey ring. He had the uh, the, the kickbacks on the railroad, the Union Pacific Railroad. I mean, everything's yes. going wrong, and it even goes yes. so far uh, up to his secretary. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's just he 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 is innocent. He is without knowledge, but yet he had delegated these people the authority to do mm-hmm. what is necessary. And I think what's brilliant about him is that even though he delegated the authority, he never delegated the responsibility. That's he good. took responsibility, and that's the mark of a great leader. I agree. You have to delegate in order to get things done, but you never delegate the responsibility. Right. You are ultimately responsible for the delegation of that authority you have that's given right. to your subordinates, and he proved that to his own detriment. But yet— Despite the scandals in his office, he was revered. Yes, you know, after his after he served uh, his two terms, he went out. I think he was accepted by the uh, uh, the, 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 the the Queen of England. Mm-hmm. I think you know the, the Bismarck in Germany. And he goes to China. He yeah. goes to India. Japan. The emperor Japan. takes him in. They're just making this tour all around the world. They just yes. think the world of him. He, they think he is. I mean, he is the world celebrity at the time. Yes, he was an ardent cigar smoker. Loved yes. cigars so much so that it 
said that, during, that after the Civil War and the conclusion of the Civil War, that the American people sent him over 10,000 cigars. <laughs> and uh, one biographer said, and he tried to see how fast he could smoke them up. I mean, he was smoking, oh, I think the average was uh, 20 cigars a day is what he smoked. Mm. Um, and of course, he he will die of throat cancer. But yes. he he was he was averaging about twenty cigars a day. Um, on this world tour, a lot of the the royalty will give him cigars and pipes and tobacco and all this, but they'll also give him a lot of other world treasures. However, as you know, when he comes back, his son uh, promises yeah. him that they're going to be able to make some money yeah. because he doesn't get his pension as general. Right. They don't give that to him. There is no pension for president yet. Correct. He's never been successful in any other business. Mm-mm. So he comes back and his son says, And he's hey, lived an opulent life as president. He has redone right. the White House. Yes. They've had a steak dinners there with yes. 29 courses, French wines, everything. That's right. He's gotten used to a lifestyle. And 20 and cigars a day. That's and, all cheap. Yes. And, 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 and you got a wife who's gotten used to it, too. Uh, so, yes. Okay, honey, we're no longer here. Uh, how, do we, how do we maintain our lifestyle? Yes. So the son comes up with this, what was it called? The Grant and Ward. Yeah, Grant and Ward Grant Investment Company. Grant and Ward Investment Company. Well, Ward is a con man. Yeah. And it's a Ponzi scheme. And they lose literally everything. And now Grant is penniless. He sold off all his memorabilia from the Civil War in order yes. to pay these people back. Again, he feels responsible yes. because he ca- talked others into investing with him. Which, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not. But I again, don't. as we look at, <laughs> as we look I at the history. You, I, I love this. P.T. Barnum, <laughs> uh-huh. who, you know, big top circus, oh, yeah. multi-million. Yeah. Suckers they, born every minute. Suckers born every minute. Where they did the movie, uh, The Greatest Showman, right? So P.T. Yeah. Barnum, this, this, this colossal empire of money, actually offered Grant to lease out the memorabilia to set up a circus attraction for it. He would pay Grant $100,000 and a percentage of the gate fee to help him get out, wow. of, out of debt. Grant said, as nice as that sounds, I will not be a man who carries debt. And he sells that back to Vanderbilt, who loaned him the money. So here is Grant, and he had a way out, but his ethics would not allow him to take it. Here's P.T. Barnum saying, we'll use all your memorabilia and make this big show about you. And Grant said, no, 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 I owe all this money over here to Vanderbilt. I'm going to repay Vanderbilt first. Wow. Yes. That's that's, that's the character that, that Grant is, had. That, that is a strong character. Yes. And you know, it's and it and it it didn't matter if he failed or not, he wasn't gonna change his character. That's right. He was going to die poor with a good reminds me of the book of Proverbs mm-hmm. that there's nothing better than a good name. The good Amen. name is to be revered more than riches, is what the book of Proverbs says. Um, and I love that about him. Now, as he gets older, <laughs> he he was smoking 20 cigars a day, averaging, um, chewed, smoked pipe tobacco, and drank like a fish. Yeah. So that combination, yeah, that's, that, that, that might affect your life expectancy. It has a way of catching up with you. So most medical doctors believe that he got uh, cancer of the mouth first. And again, was it the heavy smoking? Was it the heavy drinking? Was it the combination of both? We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But he gets, he gets cancer of the mouth and moves down to his throat. He knows he is very poor. He doesn't want to leave his wife in abject poverty. So a magazine offers him uh, like something measly, like $25,000 to write his memoirs. He thinks he's going to have to take it so his wife doesn't die poor. I don't know if you know the story either or not. And then a little guy who you probably know by the name of Mark Twain comes to him and says, I'll help you write your autobiography, get out of that deal, and then all of this money can go to your widow. Grant, at this point, is hurting so bad that he would say to drink water was was like swallowing melted metal, like molten. Oh. He basically, just by sheer willpower, Props himself up. His neck starts swelling from the cancer. So he wears a scarf all the time. He has several hemorrhages where the, the veins and arteries start popping. He'll have to cough blood up. And he'll sit there with, with, with Twain and with others, and he'll start writing out his autobiography in excruciating pain. Hmm. So much so that at the end of the book, he can't even speak anymore. He would write notes out and pass it to Twain and others as he's concluding this book. 
He'll die five days roughly after, after finishing this. Yeah, that's amazing. And his wife will end up making something. I think it was something like a half million dollars yeah, at I the time. That. So just out of sheer willpower, he is determined that he is going to leave his family better off. This is this is Grant. This is the guy that he was. That just smaller, quiet, gentle strength, and you will not shake him. You're right. And he wasn't head of his class in school. No, he's he, barely. He, he, he wasn't well bottom. educated. Yeah. You know, he wasn't. Uh, you know, a good businessman. No. Uh, he, he. You're right. It was sheer will. Just sheer will. And that Just is an determination. Amazing determination. I remember one of my favorite stories. I was reading through one of his auto, uh, not his auto, but one of the other biographers that had written about him, and they said he was this master horseman. Of course, that's what he was known right. for. He loved horses. He worked with horses. The cavalry said he was one of the best riders they ever had. So when he becomes president, he never lost that love of riding fast. And there's actually the story told. I haven't found historical records, but I found it in multiple biographies. Where as president, because again, there's no Secret Service yet. It's kind of right. it's kind of like happening after Lincoln, but they still don't have it definitive yet. So the presidents would just like ride around their own. So he actually ran through downtown DC in his carriage so quickly that he got a ticket because of his reckless driving. They gave him a $20 <laughs> ticket and Grant didn't pull the president card. He went to the office and he paid the $20. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's a man of character. That's a, he was a man of character. He wow. wanted to dot the I's and cross the T's and live. There, there's In the New Testament, it talks about uh, spiritual leaders and there's this term that I love and it says the spiritual leaders are to live above reproach. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I Grant we, was a man who lived above reproach. I wish we could see that today in some of our leaders. Last not all time of we saw leaders. a politician who lived above reproach. I agree with you. You know, and I think that's and again one of the important things about these podcasts is yes. for us to learn not only the history of these men, but the history of our country of how these that's leaders right. have lived their lives. You know, through through agony, through failure, mm. but yet through persistence and, as you said, sheer will. Yes. And that has made us different. That may be the basis of American exceptionalism. Yes. Who knows? Yes. Um, and he is he is a man of faith. I know we say this every yes. time. I'm a bivocational pastor, so I always harp on this. But he's a man of faith. Yeah. Um, his wife is, is is very devout Methodist. Yes. He, he doesn't get uh, baptized till actually getting close to his deathbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it Reverend Philip Newman will come and it's, baptize him on his deathbed. Uh, Grant said he was always leery of established religion, but daily he was in the word of God and prayer, spending time and communing with God. Yes. Why was he a man of character? Why did he have this perseverance? I personally believe it was his faith. Yeah. It was that faith in Jesus Christ that allowed him to be this type of man. It's amazing. Upon, <laughs> No, go ahead. Upon his death, uh, Robert E. Lee, because again, they have this mutual respect. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm taking what you were going to read. Um, no, Lee made this ahead. statement, and I love this. Lee said upon his death, I have carefully searched the military records of both ancient and modern history, and I've never found Grant superior as a general. Wow. That's not coming from your friend. No. That's that's coming from your enemy. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, I just think that here's a guy, and and to share another quote with you, because I think this is what's really— Grant took all the—when he failed— he didn't give up, and then suddenly he's president. I mean, he wins the, the, the Civil War. He's, you know, he goes through all this, but, but what he says is that the, the friend in my adversity I shall always cherish most. Mm. I can better trust those who have helped to relieve the gloom of my dark hours than those who are so ready to enjoy with me the sunshine of my oh, prosperity. I like that. And that's where oh, I think, I like that. you know, it, it, but that's reality. Yes. And, and I can tell you that, you know, having been in an elected office, uh, both in the state and the federal Congress, uh, you, you, you all of a sudden have all these friends. They want to share your, 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 your sunshine with you because you're now you've been elected and you have this title. It's when your pockets are full at happy hour, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's those times when you're in adversity that those who stand by you are truly your friends. And Grant like recognized that. that. And I think, 
you know, it was by the grace of God that, that uh, we had him and mm. that he was able to provide for his family at the mm. end, which was amazing. I like that those who stand with him in verse. It makes me think, again, I, my mind just thinks of the Old Testament. It makes me think of the Old Testament with King David and when he was on the run and he was held up in the cave of Abdullam. Yes. And it talks about the men and, and the Hebrews, basically the riffraff came to him. And he sets these guys up as his leaders. And several years later, when he goes to the palace, it's those guys he puts in position of power now. It was the riffraff the who stood with, with him, him in the cave, yep. exactly, Amazing. that then could rule with him in the palace. And I, I, there's some spiritual principles there. I agree with you. There's something to be said that if you stand with people in, in the dark, that's where promotion of the light comes I'm, from. Man. You know, um, when, when Grant passes away, and they do, I think it was a seven-mile uh, funeral procession, mm-hmm. a seven-mile long mm-hmm. And they they uh, they took up uh, private donations of six hundred thousand dollars and built him a mausoleum. Yes, his family a mausoleum. Yes, which I think is the largest in America. I guess I'm, it's on what is it Hudson Bay? No, uh, it's somewhere, somewhere in Manhattan. It yes. and, and Riverside Drive. Or, yeah, somewhere around there. But uh, it, it's it's really just phenomenal that the, the country came together for for him yeah. at that time and his family. Probably the only other thing to that sheer magnitude would be the Lincoln Memorial, right? Absolutely. That's about the only other prize you can think of for the sheer magnitude You're right. of would be You're like right. the Lincoln Memorial. And what would have been his 75th birthday is when they dedicated that yes. mausoleum. And, yes. And, uh, you know, he was the youngest president at the mm-hmm. time at 46. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, it'll be, he'll be beaten by uh, Teddy Roosevelt when he steps in as vice president. I think yes. he'll be the next youngest. Amazing. Amazing history. You know, I, I just think, again, that, 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 that knowing the character of these people is the important thing. Even those transitional ones that we talked about for that 20-year <laughs> period from Andrew Jackson to, to Abraham Lincoln were necessary, yes. weren't exceptional in their own right, but yet were able to transition this country, sometimes for bad, but only brought us to good, ultimately. Right. And as we talked about, sometimes they were merely the, the black velvet yeah. To help the diamond shine, right? Well put. Sometimes it was that stretch, the black velvet, that then there was a Lincoln and there was a Grant. They were the settings yes. for the stones. So I think we have probably met our time. Yeah. But man, Grant. Grant, Lincoln, we could go on yes, for, you're right. for such a long period of time. Uh, and then it's going to go downhill again a little bit. Yep, we got another about a 20, 20, 30 years where we go through some other... The forgotten president, yes. right? Yeah. But uh, one thing I just want to say real quickly about Grant that I thought was interesting is that he wanted to annex the Dominican Republic. That's right. In order to have a uh, pr- pr- protect a passageway between uh, the, the the a canal being built between the Atlantic and the Pacific. It was called uh, Santo Domingo at the time. Yes, Santo Domingo. Yes. And, and he also thought it could be free land given to the freed slaves. Yes. He all, again, that, that heart he had this big heart for people. And you know they they that, what would happen if that was now a U.S. territory? And I mean we have Puerto Rico down there, so right. But that Puerto Rico came a long time after that. I think one way to sum him up, there's a biographer I read who made this, and I thought it was really good, that Grant's biggest weakness was his goodness in the sense that he was such a good man that he thought other men were as good as he was. Yeah, you know, that's that's powerful. I think you could sum like, if, yeah. if his cabinet was just simply as moral and ethical and as good as he was, there wouldn't have been no issues. He yeah. just looked to other people with his lens. It almost reminds you of the Old Testament term, there was no guile in him. Yeah. He had no guile in him, so when he looked to other people, he expected that out of them, and yet they just used him for, for the power. Amazing. So mm. this has been the life of Ulysses S. Grant, one of probably the finest presidents, the 18th president, good yes. and great. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.